0: empowering you with strategies to succeed. This is Jen Tringale, and you're listening to the Jen Tringale Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jen Tringale. Wherever you are listening from, I pray that you are doing well and that this podcast finds you in a good place. I look forward to this time together, and if this is the first time that you have come across our podcast, welcome. I know that we have some listeners that have been listening almost from the very beginning now, and I just got a chance to meet a whole lot of our listeners in Canada, so I want to give a shout out to all of you that are listening from Canada and the nations around the world. I am so thrilled that somehow, some way, this podcast found you. I want to share something with you that's been on my heart lately, and I really hear it sort of reverberating in the lives of people that I walk closely in relationship with, and it could be that there is just something collectively that God is doing in each of us right now. It's interesting when you are a believer, you are a Christ follower, a Christian, God begins a very personal work in you. But when you are connected to the body of Christ, so many times what you find out is you're not the only one. That God is sort of all moving us in the same direction. Individually so, but if we could pull back and see the big picture, he's moving us all toward this same direction. And so because of that, Many times God is wanting to do the same work in us. And so in order to do that work, he's bringing to us first the same word. The word of God always has the power within it to give us the ability to do what the word is pulling us toward. So I wanna share some things with you that just seem to fit that description. And I'm sort of loosely calling this, do what has become necessary. What I mean by that is this, if you are going to step into the new, you can't take the old with you. And so if you're going to step into the new, you're going to have to do what has now become necessary. One of the things that I believe this entails is first of all, doing a clean sweep of your atmosphere. You know, we usually talk about where we live as somewhere that is a geographical place, which is true. But the reality of our lives is that where we live is not just a geographical place. In fact, most of where we live, the geographical place is a little bit farther down the list than we realize. Because first of all, we live in a spiritual place. If you have made Jesus Lord of your life, The Bible says that you were translated out of a spiritual place found in the kingdom of darkness, out of that and into a spiritual place called the kingdom of light. So there is a spiritual place that we live. Once we're translated into that kingdom of light and in union with the spirit of God on the inside, then we begin to grow spiritually and develop the spiritual place that we live in but that's not the only place because even though we are a spirit, we are made up of three parts and our spirit is just one. Where's the next place we live? Well, we live in a head space. Everybody has their own head space they're living out of. I can tell you that this morning before I got that espresso in my body, my head space was pretty foggy. Not much was coming together, but We're all living out of a different headspace and the environment that we're in and our belief system and what we believe about the world we're in, what we believe about us, what we believe about the people around us, all is affecting the headspace. But this is absolutely a real place that we live. And then there is another place that we live outside of the spiritual place, outside of our headspace. And that is our emotional state. What is the emotional state that you live in? So all of these three places have their own atmospheres. And these are the atmospheres that you and I are living out of. So what I really hear God saying to us right now is that in order to move into the new, we're going to need to clean out our atmosphere and to do it vigilantly so. Because of the time that we are living in, our culture lives in atmospheres, functions and atmospheres that seem normal to them that are in ways so vile and so distorted and so dishonoring. They're so broken. And because this is the world we have to live in, it is so easy to let These atmospheres that we're traversing through become a part of our own atmospheres. And we know that our atmospheres, as far as internally, really come from the gates of who we are. It comes through our ear gates, our eye gates. These things are all dictating to us the atmospheres that we're in. So I hear the Spirit of God saying, hey, you need to clean out your atmospheres and vigilantly So this can look like a lot of things for a lot of different people. I'll just tell you from my own experience, usually this means that I have to go back and find a new standard of diligence about what I'm going to allow be entertainment for me. It's really difficult in this day and age. I mean, I don't know about you, but after a crazy week or even a long weekend, I mean, it's just so great to come home, fall on the couch, turn something on your television and just zone out for a while. But anymore, finding something that is going to be clean from the distorted, the vile, the broken and the perverse is very, very hard to come by. So we're left with the choice. And too many times, what happens is we put up with something that is fairly passable, only to find out that once you're hooked and really into it, here comes the distorted and a vial on a level that maybe you weren't comfortable with, but now you're already emotionally connected to the story. And so your standard has just dropped and your atmosphere has begun to deteriorate. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it is now a common sort of model for screenwriters and writers that form our entertainment industry that they have come to understand that if they will launch a new series and keep it fairly clean until episode six or seven, that at episode six or seven, they begin to introduce what is really pornography. Sometimes it starts off as soft pornography. Some of it is on everyday channels, and it is hard porn. And they will introduce this by episode six because they have proven statistically that by then, individuals are so involved to the story and emotionally connected, they got to see how it turns out. And so they'll push beyond what is offensive to them and continue to watch anyway. We all know this. We are living in what is a sex-saturated culture, and no one is victimless in this. And so because of this, As believers, as Christ followers, we are going to have to be pretty vigilant and make the hard decisions about deciding what am I going to allow to entertain me? Am I willing to sacrifice my atmosphere, no doubt the atmosphere of my family, in order to be entertained by this? But think about it. If we're going to step into the new and we can't take the old with us, then we're going to have to deal with things just like this. I want to bring up sort of another area that I believe we're going to have to deal with. And it can mean the difference to you stepping into what is next for you or getting stuck in the season you're in sort of like gum on your shoe. You just can't get rid of it. And this is something that I call reoccurring issues. Reoccurring issues are tough and Boy, they stick you when you least expect it. Reoccurring issues, you know, they're kind of like reoccurring charges. You know how you set up reoccurring charges maybe on your bank account? You forget that they are there until they show up. And when they show up, what do they do? They make a withdrawal on the resources that you have. All of a sudden you check and you go, where's the money that I thought I had to work with? But those reoccurring charges hit and took the money that you thought was there because they were left in place to keep reoccurring until someone with the authority to cancel them does so. Reoccurring issues are so much like this. Left undealt with, they keep showing up when you don't expect it and take the resources that you thought you had. So I wanna give you just a few ideas of what reoccurring issues are can be like for us. And all of this is connected into stepping out of the old and moving into the new of what God has for us. Reoccurring issues can be cycles of emotions. It can be the same situation or the same dynamics keep happening in multiple relationships of yours and you just can't figure out why. Maybe your season changes, but you keep being drawn to the same kind of people with the same kind of issues or the same kind of people with similar issues as yours. Maybe your reoccurring issue is that you seem to ping pong from excited about life to then feeling defeated about life. Maybe your value and your worth seem really solid and secure and then all of a sudden some things shift and you seem to plummet into feeling totally disconnected And you lose your sense of worth and value. If this is a reoccurring issue or cycle, there's something you need to pay attention to. Maybe where once you stood confident has now become the thing where you are the most insecure. What could this be? It's a reoccurring issue. When it's time to move into the new, you have to start evaluating what is unnecessary. Because whatever is unnecessary cannot go with you. And if you try and take it with you, your moving day, in essence, will be delayed. What am I talking about? Your moving day into your next season. And the reason for this, it's not a punishment. It's actually your protection. You see, God is the master builder of our lives, and He's building with us, but He is sort of the master contractor. And when it's time to add on to us, so to speak, or to move us into a new phase of building our life, building the purpose of God and moving things forward, if our foundation isn't secure, if a clean sweep hasn't been done, if there are reoccurring issues in what's already been built, God is so sweet and good to us that He will not let us unknowingly add on more when He knows that our foundation isn't secure. He's so patient and merciful and loving that even though He has the ticking timepiece of His timing for your life, He will actually cause everything to come to a standstill and give you whatever space and whatever time that it's gonna take until we get willing to deal with our reoccurring issues. What does this process look like? The process of doing what is necessary to deal with reoccurring issues. Most of us attack this process in the totally opposite way than we should. And We've all been guilty of this. I have been guilty of this. What do I mean by that? Typically, when we go to finally admit, okay, I've got some things that keep happening. They keep coming up. I need to deal with these things. There's things in my heart that are sticking me and I need to deal with these things. The opposite way of what we should do is we go for the immediate action step. It's sort of like what will get me instant results and instant gratification to feel like I've dealt with. This is what I mean. It's sort of like when you were a kid, you know, and your mom would say, okay, in order for you to go out, you have got to clean your room. And the immediate action step of an immature, instant result-driven kid is to just sweep everything under the bed. I still have a vivid memory of doing this at about, I don't know, 12 years old, Or, you know, you throw it into the closet. You shove it in the drawers. I mean, whatever it takes. I can remember having like my little kid suitcase, you know, for trips. And I remember just taking things and shoving it in that suitcase and standing it up in my closet. And, you know, we can laugh about that now. But the truth is, emotionally and mentally as adults, we kind of tend to do the same thing here's what I think this looks like. We'll go, Oh, why do I feel insecure? I'm not supposed to feel insecure. I shouldn't feel depressed. I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel rejected. I shouldn't feel lonely. And so I've got to get rid of this in order to move on. I'm not supposed to feel this way. So I'll hide it. Maybe even from myself. Whatever it is that we do, we basically do what we know works to sweep it out of sight, thinking this will make it better. But you and I both know that this is not really dealing with the issues at hand. It's only getting rid of them in the moment. But if we are stuck, this is not what's going to work to get us unstuck. There is a right way that leads to wholeness and a sound mind, and not to mention progress on the path of destiny. And that right way is going to take a little bit longer than what can feel like instant gratification. Let me tell you something that happened to me just recently that I think points to the work that it takes for this right process to transpire. So I was home for about a week uh, maybe ten days it was great. I had a good chunk of time off, and the weather was just getting nice, and I had been really enjoying it and so I had been outside going back and forth out my back door and doing some things out there, coming back into my house and and so it was great. I was just going back and forth, getting a lot done and That next morning, I was kind of doing the same thing back and forth in that similar pattern, and somewhere around lunchtime all of a sudden. I heard something sort of in the ceiling of my house. And I thought, what is that? I thought maybe it's the air conditioning kicking on, you know, it's just making a weird noise. And so I came around the corner and I looked up and a bird had gotten in my house. And if you've ever had this happen to you, this bird was as panicked as I was. It's just going nuts. And so it's flying all over and I happen to have really tall ceilings in that part of my house, and so this bird is just hitting up against everything, and and it's panicked, and I'm thinking, there's no way I can reach that. How am I going to get this bird out of my house? Needless to say, it took almost an hour until I finally found a way to coax this bird back out that door, and immediately, I recognized what the problem was. It wasn't a mystery how I got a bird in my house wreaking havoc. It wasn't a mystery why there were, bless its heart, little feathers everywhere. None of this was a mystery. I knew where the issue came from, and the issue came from because I had left my back door open. And when we're talking about this process of cleaning atmospheres, dealing with reoccurring issues... So many times we deal with the bird that's flying around in our house, and we're just trying to sweep it out the the door and get rid of the problem that is causing us chaos and messing with our headspace, messing with our emotional state, even messing with our spiritual place. You know what would have been crazy? What if after all that work of getting that bird out of my house, I would have left my back door open? It, it would have been nuts, right? It would have been only a matter of time until, no doubt, I've got the same problem again. And not only that kind of problem, but maybe a lot of kind of problems. I'm going to have, you know, bugs in my house. Ugh, I don't even want to think about it. My point is, why are we dealing with the bird flying around our house when really what we need to do is sit down and say, Holy Spirit. Where is the door that is open? I want to close the door. What I'm saying to you is, is reoccurring issues are reoccurring because somewhere either in your emotional state, in your belief system, in your headspace, there is a door, maybe doors that have been opened. It could have been a traumatic incident that happened. It could have been a a place of hurt or wounding. It could have been a place of offense. It could have been a place of abuse. But whatever it was, whatever it is, what I'm saying to you is that in order for you to move into your new season, the process is about locating and closing the doors. Having doors closed is a good thing. Closing doors in your life, it's a necessary work if you're going to move into the fullness of who God has made you to be. And the truth of it is, these doors that we need to close, they are affecting our headspace. They are affecting us emotionally. And because of that, they are affecting us spiritually. If we're going to move into what God has for us, Let's do the work of finding the point of entrance, because God is preparing you for change. All of this points to the place, the state of our heart. And the Bible talks to us about this. In fact, Paul admonished us that we were called to have a perfect heart. That can almost seem impossible. I mean, Nobody expects anybody to be perfect. That's sort of an unattainable goal. Nobody is perfect except Jesus. He was perfect. But there is still found in the Word of God this call for us to have perfect hearts. How, How can we do that? I want to give you three things that I believe will produce a perfect heart in us and just give you a glimpse of what this is. A perfect heart is not perfection. In our flesh, we are never going to be perfect. But a perfect heart is more about the state of our heart. I mean, think about this. God actually said about David that he had a perfect heart. But when you look at the life of David, he was far from perfect. So what does a perfect heart look like? Number one, I believe a perfect heart is a searchable heart. David had a searchable heart. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Another incredible man of God, Jeremiah, he said it this way. He said, I, the Lord, search the heart. The Hebrew meaning of this phrase is, I examine deeply. I I penetrate the shallow places of my heart and I look deeply. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians. I think it was chapter 2. He said, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. So a perfect heart is a searchable heart. This is the diligent work of you and the Holy Spirit, not dredging up the past, but saying, Holy Spirit, What are the open doors for me? I'm tired of chasing the same reoccurring issues through my life, through my emotions, through my head. What are the doors that might be open? I want to read this verse to you out of Psalms 24 in verse 3. It says, Who shall stand in the holy place? It's him that has a clean hands and a pure heart. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. So it's the Holy Spirit searchings that are not condemning, they're not accusing, but they are redemptive. The Holy Spirit searchings of showing us doors that are open is to redeem places in our life where the enemy is wreaking havoc and saying, this is the spot. Maybe you need to release. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to take authority over your flesh and say, I'm not going to be entertained by that anymore. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to allow this strife in these relationships. I'm not going to have arguments with people in my head that aren't even standing in front of me. Boy, that's such a clear indicator. There is a door there that needs to be closed. Let the Holy Spirit Search your heart with you. It's not condemning. It's redemptive. Okay, the second one is this. A perfect heart is a trusting heart. The psalmist David said it this way, and I love this. He said, "'Our fathers trusted in you, God. They trusted, and you did deliver them. They cried unto you, and they were delivered. They trusted in you, and they were not confused.'" And so all throughout the Psalms, then over and over again, David would confess. And I believe he was saying it for his own benefit. He would say, in the Lord, put I my trust. He'd say, oh God, I trust in you. The Hebrew word for trust is really interesting. It's like a child who hears her father say, jump, and the child willingly just free falls into the arms of the father. This is a lot different than people who come before the Lord maybe with one hand behind their back. In order to have a clean heart, a perfect heart, you have to have a trusting heart. The last one, a perfect heart, a a clean heart, a perfect heart before the Lord is what the Bible calls a broken heart. Now, this isn't a broken heart from pain or hurt The word broken really could just be defined as the word humility. And the reason the Bible calls it a broken heart is it's more about the picture of sort of breaking a horse. A horse being broken means that a horse has put its strength, its capacity in the hands of its master because it has developed a relationship Of trust there. Brokenness is not about sorrow. It's not about a crushed spirit. A true broken heart is about humility. And I want you to think about this. A humble heart, a heart of humility, it is the greatest power that God can entrust to you and I. Because a broken heart, a heart that says, God, I so trust you, that I'm putting my heart, all my capacity, all my ability in your hands. This is the heart that God can entrust the power to restore ruins. This is where the power of restoration comes in. It's impossible to minister restoration to people that we come in contact with if we don't have a broken heart ourselves. if we do not fully trust The Father, we are telling others about how can we compel them to trust Him to restore the broken places in them. There's so much attached to this, and I'll tell you, to all of our listeners, the world that we are living in needs us in what we carry more than ever before. Let's not show up half-hearted. Let's let the Holy Spirit do the diligent work on the inside of us, and let's be vigilant about guarding our hearts that we can say, God, my goal today is to have a perfect heart before you. I might not be perfect in my flesh, but Lord, I'm going to allow you to search my heart. My heart is going to trust you, and I, Lord, am broken. I am humble before you. I pray this has spoken to where you're at today. I know it's a lot to take in, but as we started out this podcast with saying, it just seems to be the word and the work that God is doing in us, the sons and daughters of God, for what He's moving us into. He's moving us into places and a culture that's fighting for rights to things that squelch the very life that God gave us in the first place. We're called to love and minister to a culture that, doesn't know who they are, even on the most basic cellular level. They're fighting for things that eat away at the very core of who they are and steal life out from under them. And there's no way we can go with them half-hearted. There's no way we can come into the places where they live to minister to them without loving them first. Let's get our hearts where it needs to be. And I believe We're going to see ruined places become strong cities again. I believe God is wanting to start with us. I pray this is spoken to you, and if we can be a blessing to you, let us hear from you. Reach out to us at jentringale.com. I wanna encourage you that there's some brand new tools and resources that we have available to you. We just released an individual six-video study course to help you take the next steps in making what is the dream, the vision, the purpose in your heart become a reality. It's available on our website at gentringale.com for only $39. As soon as you purchase it, the video lessons are downloaded straight to your email address. They're just 20 minutes long. And this just might be something that will be a catalyst to helping you take your next steps in finding the place and the position that God has called you to. Thanks for listening in. We love you and we'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye.